Welcome everyone to another installment of Art Blog Radio. I'm here today talking to Rosa Leff, a paper artist, kindergarten teacher, uh, new wave craft practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rosa. Thank you. Um, so right now you've got to show up at High Five Gallery. Um, which is sort of how I came to know your work. I follow them on Instagram, and I've been lucky enough to go up and actually see the show. Um, how did you get connected with High Five? Because they're a pretty new organization. Right? Yeah, I uh, started showing my work in Philadelphia about three years ago, and one of my earliest shows was at James Oliver Gallery. So the gallery owner uh, of High Five, Natalie Mayer, had seen my work there. So she kind of knew who I was. I think we made we had some like online connections, some social media. Um, and I reached out to her because I found out that she had the new gallery space opening and I have this uh, show up there that's all Philadelphia paper cuts right now. So even though I'm now living in Maryland, I knew that show had to come back to Philly. Yeah. And how did you, have you always done paper cuts or what sort of got you started in that medium? I've always been in the arts doing things, uh, you know, since I was a little kid, drawing, painting and taking classes and knitting and learning to upholster and stone carving and all kinds of stuff. But I didn't start paper cutting until I was in graduate school, actually. Um, my master's is in elementary education. Mm -hmm. So they asked us to make a children's book, and I am not a writer at all. So I was like, if I'm going to get a good grade on this project, I have to do something really interesting with my illustrations. Um, kind of on a whim, I went to Blick and bought like a rotary mat and an X-Acto pen knife and just tried it out, and it was really well received. Had you researched much about the history of, of the medium or other paper cut artists? or? Was it just kind of an organic thing that came from you? Yeah, I knew nothing about it really when I started. I was uh, mostly going off of children's book illustrators that yeah. I like, like Eric Carle and all of his uh, collage paper works, and Ezra Jack Keats with his sort of marbled paper, painted paper that's cut up. Um, so that's kind of how it started for me, and I just really liked the way it felt. Something about the medium felt very natural to me. Yeah. So I got super carried away with it. and cut tons of holes in paper and yeah. <laughs> develop my own style within it. Well, as you mentioned, the current show is about sort of, it's Philly street scenes, yes. right? Um, and some interiors, right? Or is it all exteriors? This show is all exteriors, yeah, I do have some um, there. So how did you start making more urban scenes? Because you started out sort of doing children's books. Um, but I mean, one thing I noticed from the show and just from looking at your work on Instagram, um, is it's not, especially your sort of urban scenes are not necessarily whimsical. Like they have a kind of grittiness, sometimes a harshness to them, even though they're beautiful. So, so how did you get into that, the kind of imagery that you know is in the, the current show? Yeah, um, so I started off when I first was paper cutting, just kind of seeing what I could do. So I was working a lot from graphic novel illustrations, things that have very huh. hard black and white lines. Yeah. And then I wanted to sort of push myself and see what I could do with that grayscale. Yeah. And uh, recently, since I moved away, I've started meditating a lot. And so it's kind of been clearing out my focus. But you go back through in this process, go through all of your memories and look for every single detail, but you're revisiting the same memory for hours at a time. So at some point, you're past the conversations, you're past the things that actually happened, and you're like, oh, I remember the shade of that brick wall, or I remember mm -hmm. you know, the shadow that was there at that time. And it's surprising how much you can pull back that you 
really wouldn't think of. So there's, you know, Sarsoni's Bakery is one of the cuts that I have in this show. And that for me is like, I couldn't even really remember what it looked like because mm. I hadn't been there in so long. But I just remembered what it smelled like, like mm. what the fresh bread smelled like when I would go with my dad when I was a little girl. Or, you know, uh, there's a paper cut in there of Honest Lou's and I remember like waiting at the bus stop next to it for so many years. Mm. So I was looking for those smaller details. Right. I mean, it's interesting that you mention um, meditation, because <coughs> especially in looking at some of the work that's up at High Five, um, it's so detailed that I would imagine the process itself is almost meditative in a sense, right? Because you're just really getting in there with the exacto knife and yeah. kind of. So, is there? Uh, is it, what is the process like? How does that work? Do you do it sort of all at once? Is it, you know? Yeah, by the time you've cut your 4,000th brick, you're definitely like in a kind of meditative state. Yeah. Um, I can work for about four or five hours at a time before my hands start to cramp up too much and I've got to take a break. <laughs> but I start from a photograph. Sometimes I'll edit it a little bit in Photoshop, uh, just play with the contrast. And then I print it out and tape it down to a pastel paper. Mm. And I essentially use the printed image as a stencil. So mm. I'll cut through both layers. Gotcha. But there's a lot of you know drawing on top of it. You have to make sure that everything connects because all of my images are a single sheet of paper. Mm. So they're, you, know, you can pick them up by a corner and dangle them. Everything's attached. So I have to make sure that it's maintaining its structural integrity. But still trying to capture, you know, all of those tiny details. Um, so you're in town. You moved to Baltimore. Yes. And you're in town this weekend for the Craft Now mm -hmm. Symposium Fair. The whole weekend of festivities that are happening here in Philly. Um, this the theme this year for Craft Now is uh, making a difference. Isn't that what it's? I think mm -hmm. that's the sort of the tagline <laughs> for 2018. Um, which indicates, I mean, I know Roberto Lugo gave the keynote yesterday, and yeah. there, there seemed to be some indication that, um, like so many other sectors and organizations, Craft Now is trying to sort of acknowledge the cultural, political moment that we're in and saying, like, oh, craft has to play a role or have a voice in. I don't know, politics, or at least in making the world a better place. Like, that's sort of how I read that um, that choice of theme. Um, so I wonder, I guess, how you think about um, your work in terms of, like, impact, you know? Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be political impact, sure. but any kind of impact. Do you think along those lines? I well? mean, there's definitely not an intentional political bent to my work that I've done thus yeah. far, but I do see... Uh, I guess kind of an evolution in the sense I work on the board of the Guild of American Paper Cutters huh. and I'm their uh, vice president of digital communications so oh, wow. I get submissions from paper cutters from all over the country and I get to see their work and it's something that a lot of people don't even know what paper cutting is right. but then I'm seeing these people who are working in traditional German styles or doing you know the Mexican papel picado and yeah. all of these different mediums and then to take it and make it something that's very, very contemporary. There are a few people who are working in urban landscapes, um, but you know, there's not too many of us. So in that sense, it's something that's novel to begin with. Yeah. But there's something that's kind of interesting for me of, like I was adopted into a Pennsylvania Dutch family. Really? So they have, of course, a strong paper cut tradition, but it's oh. very folk art, very nature-based. But since I'm Puerto Rican and Trinidadian and grew up in Philadelphia and like West Philadelphia, it's, I have to make it something new. So for me, I'm capturing the scenes from my childhood, but in this very traditional style. Wow. 
I mean, can you talk about some of those influences? Because you said that when you first started doing uh, cut paper, you weren't super aware of other cut paper artists or of the traditions around it, but you just rattled off a bunch of different bird <laughs> schools. And we're going to talk about later, you said you're going to China and there are other traditions of paper cut in, in Asia as well. So um, since becoming a cut paper artist, you know, what have you learned and sort of what tra different traditions are you drawing from now? Yeah, um, this summer I went to the uh, Guild Conference that was uh, held in Portland, Oregon. So it was really cool there to be able to work with other paper cutters and a bunch of us were leading workshops. So I got to train in their styles. Like I had never tried cutting with scissors before, huh. which sounds kind of like a strange thing, but I've always been an X-Acto knife or an Excel blades kind of girl. Right, well scissors are so clumsy. How do you even do that? I, I still can't tell you because I failed miserably, but there are people who can do beautiful things with it. I met a woman who cuts with sheep shears. Wow. So, you know, it was fun to be able to try everybody's tools there and see people who work, um, you know, in the Polish style with the layered colorful paper mm. and people who are doing mandalas. So I got to experiment a lot there, which I think was nice because it's not something that on my own I would have necessarily tried all of those different forms, especially it's easy to get very, you know, deadline oriented when you have commissions and shows and things coming up and it's hard to give yourself that freedom to explore. Yeah. Do you think about, how do you feel about the kind of, um, the border, the line, the distinction between um, craft and art? Do you consider yourself a craft person, an artist, both? Um, yeah. That was something that came up a lot too at the conference. So some people within the guild define themselves as crafters, some of us define ourselves as fine artists. Right. And I started off thinking of myself as more of a fine artist because I wanted to make sort of clear this distinction that I'm not doing your traditional paper cut folk art. Yeah. And I think for me, my thinking on that has kind of changed, seeing what is possible within that folk art mm -hmm. and how much more complex it is than I had originally thought. Um, and then also, you know, I kind of thought about that again now that I'm doing craft now this weekend. Yeah. Of like, well, there really is no difference. Right. I mean, I guess in tradition it came from craft being a school of artists. And in that sense, I'm working more or less on my own and learning from other people as I meet them, as I come across them in my professional life, but haven't trained in paper cutting really. Yeah. Um, so, it's I mean, a hard line for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I really love about your work. Um, and I mean, this is something that I feel like is important to me about art in general, is that there is a level of um, accessibility to work without it being feeling easy. Like it. Um, I think once people can understand what a paper cut is, it seems very simple, even though it takes a tremendous amount of time to produce, especially right. one of my larger works. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is, it's like your work, to me, really inspires admiration just for the vision to apply this sort of um, folk technique to urban settings and for the skill that's involved in like actually physically making the things. Um, but the finished product feels inviting, like it feels like you want people to get it, you want people to be able to have these in their lives, you know? So I guess I'm wondering, um, when you think about who you're making work for, like who do you, who's your, um, who's your audience? 
Uh, I would say my audience is me. I guess that's a selfish answer, but no. when I was talking to Natalie Merritt about how we were going to hang the show that I have up right now uh, yeah. through November, I said I wanted it to feel very much like something that you would have up in your living room. Yeah. You know, like my frames are very simple. I didn't want anything that was um, ornate or ostentatious. And I think that it's kind of what you're saying of once people understand how how the paper cut is made, it feels very inviting and it feels unpretentious, um, yeah. which is important to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm wondering if you could reflect just a little bit more about um, your choice of urban landscapes. Because I've, I've been sort of, since I you agreed to do this interview with yeah. me, I was sort of looking a little bit into cut paper and I feel like there is a tradition of cut paper landscapes, um, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of other people working specifically in urban landscapes. Um, so I guess, you know, what motivated you to, to do that? I mean, I've heard it said that paper cutting is a dead medium, huh. and it doesn't feel that way to me because I'm so involved in it and right. because I know so many paper cutters personally. Right. But I think that's just part of this bringing it back, that it wasn't something that developed in an urban setting, huh. um, by and large. So it's you know, paper cutting for the new generation, I right. guess, in that sense. For huh. me, it's, you know, what I enjoy looking at. I'm not a nature person. I'm into sidewalk cafes, balconies, roof decks, but like, if you put me in the woods, I will look very sad. <laughs> so it wouldn't make sense for me to be cutting, you know, pictures of forests and streams and these more um, traditional scenes, yeah. because that's just not my personality. I feel so similarly, like I, I've always said, um, yeah, I, I'm so much more inspired by a cafe or a tall building than I am by a tree. Not that I have yeah. anything against nature, like nature isn't necessary. The trees are fine, we need them. We do need trees, <laughs> but um, yeah. It's definitely like any time that I find myself outdoors, I hear like people saying like, Rosa, you're an artist, don't you want to take pictures of this? Don't you want to cut from this later? And I'm like, no, really not into <laughs> it. Like, show me a skyscraper and like, I like it when the sidewalks have the glitter in them, that crushed yeah. glass, like that's my, yeah. that's my scene. Yeah. Um, speaking of the new generation or the next generation, you mentioned also that you're a kindergarten teacher. Yes. Um, is that, I mean, you, you said you went to school for arts education. So for elementary education. Elementary yeah. education, sorry. Um, so was that always sort of part of your plan to kind of work with young kids and be an artist simultaneously? Mm -hmm. uh, I actually started just with a kindergarten job in the school district of Philadelphia. I was working in Kensington. Huh. And I was there for five years at Sheridan Elementary. And I just, uh, I, you know, I loved working with that community. I really liked, it was important to me to be able to work with an immigrant population, yeah. especially because I am bilingual that I felt like I was in a unique position to sort of affect change in that area yeah. and um, be an advocate for those students yeah. in a way that, you know, however well-intentioned teachers who don't speak the language might not be able to. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that for five years and I was just starting to feel kind of burned out as will happen with public school yeah, teaching. Hard work. And I you know, saw that I was spending a lot of time putting all of this work into my students and spending my evenings at home, setting up craft projects for them for the next day, trying to get things to be interesting and exciting for them and I just yeah. wasn't taking time for myself yeah. and I realized I hadn't done any art in a couple of years <laughs> probably three or four years since I had made anything at all oh. um, so I got back into it then and it was just nice to be able to sit for an hour or two and just have quiet and 
listen to my music or you know an audiobook or whatever but just have some time that was carved out specifically for myself yeah and then um now that you are doing both because you're are you teaching in baltimore or where are you teaching now i'm teaching in rockville maryland okay yeah so um, not too far from baltimore yeah and how does how do you balance those two sides of your life the being an artist and being a kindergarten teacher a color-coded planner <laughs> So you're very organized. I am very organized. I have to be. It's the only way to keep track of everything. And uh, and I think I get that anyway from being a teacher, that we like to be very organized and yeah. everything has their place and a very tight schedule. Yeah. Um, I also teach paper art for kindergarten through fifth graders That's as an after-school program. Ask. So how is that uh, sort of passing on the tradition to the next generation? It's been interesting because I can't, you know, I'm not going to hand a five-year-old a knife. Right. <laughs> so I'm doing work with them that's very different from anything that I would be doing for my own professional work of right. course but it's fun to see what they come up with and their ideas for it and um, you know they're great kids and it's a Jewish school and of course you know Israel and Jewish culture in general has a very strong paper cutting tradition as really? well so yeah. things I did not know I mean I would imagine kids today um, have such an immediate relationship with technology that paper cutting would feel like the strangest, most sort of, I mean, I think it would, it would, I'm sure they get a lot out of it, and I'm sure that they love it, but it's so different. I feel like kids have, are most often interacting with, like, phones, even five-year-olds, yeah. you know? Um, so, but you can cut up a piece of paper and make a mess. Like, paper yeah. cutters joke all the time that we're confetti makers, because if you look at the of our studios, it's like littered with scraps <laughs> of paper. Sweeping out my old studio when I moved out was so embarrassing. Like the giant mass of like, there's a blue number three and a gold letter R. <laughs> like, what are these even from? Um, you know, just all the scraps that I cut out. So I think yeah. they enjoy just the experimentation of it. Yeah. Um, you did mention before that you're going to China soon. Yes, in May. In yeah. May. Oh, so in a little while. Got a little time. Yeah. So what's that about? What's, please share with us the opportunity that you're uh, So a fellow member of the Guild of American Paper Cutters had been to China previously for a paper cutting exhibition and she sort of online introduced me to Han Jing who runs a paper cutting association in Xi'an and so uh, the, he's doing a Chinese-Japanese-American paper cutting exchange exhibition. Oh wow. So I'll be one of three Americans going for that, hanging some of my work there and I'm having a hard time deciding what to bring. Um, how how many pieces are they asking for? It seems like I have a lot of flexibility on that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you been to um, East Asia at all before? The only place in Asia I've been is Japan. I went in this uh, past June and I bought a ton of paper while I was there. Oh, right. I mean, I guess I, I didn't even think about asking you about that. Um, I mean, cutting is the technique, but paper is really your medium. Yeah. Um, so I feel like you must have... Uh, your preferences, a oh, yes. uh, yeah, or a bunch of paper. paper. <laughs> but also, like, tell me about paper. Tell me about, um, yeah, how do you choose what you're cutting from? Is it so? I have a lot more flexibility in what I can use as the background papers. Um, it's hard to use anything that's like handmade or too textured to cut into because huh. the fibers will pull. Gotcha. So as far as what I'm actually putting the holes in, I mostly use like uh, Canson, it's the Maitian's papers okay. that are uh, for pastels and drawing. Gotcha. So those work really well, and that's I think what most paper cutters that I've met use. 
And then as the backgrounds, I really like using, you know, batiked papers, hand-marbled papers. I've been playing around a lot with that, and I think anything, anytime I can move away from a solid color background paper, it makes it easier for people to interpret, too, what right. it is they're looking at. Right. When I use a solid color on solid color, I get a lot more like, oh, is this a lino cut, or is this a screen print? Gotcha. But I think once you can see that depth of the textured paper underneath, or, you know, just the color variation, they realize that it has to be something more complex, even if it's not immediately recognizable. Right. Speaking of lino cut, uh, I noticed on Instagram earlier, I was looking yesterday at your feed for like probably the 10th time, um, <laughs> that you've been recently doing some print making as well, no? I did one with uh, Baking Prints. So they have their giant mobile press called Big Tuna. Yeah. And I did that this summer and it was the first one I've ever done. I did a four foot by five foot wood block that was yeah. based on one of my paper cuts. It's actually a picture of my husband. Oh. So I was like, I have no idea if this is going to turn out well. I might never be able to show it. It might as well be of someone that I love that I like want to have in my house. <laughs> right. And, you know, he can be giant. Yeah. So. Is that, so, I mean, it seems like a similar process in terms of uh, sort of the removal of the, um, what, the negative space and yeah. then, so do you think, did you enjoy doing printmaking? I did. I like that I, so paper cutting is usually classified as works on paper, but I always feel like it's more like carving just because of the technique. Yeah. Um, even though it is, you know, technically paper, I'm sitting there cutting away at it, right? Right. And uh, carving out the sections that I don't want to be there, playing with that negative space. Right. And I definitely felt that way, carving away, you know, using the chisels and getting into the wood block. So that part was really nice. Yeah. Do you think you would continue to make prints ever or are you really focused just on... <laughs> I like the prints that the thing that's interesting for me about it that I'm not sure how I feel is that I really like that the paper cut is like a one-off yeah so to do a wood block to get one print off of it that's true feels kind of strange because the idea is that you're able to do multiple you're able to keep making that image but I like that once I make a paper cut of something if it sells and it's in someone's See, home and nobody that. else has that work nobody else has something that looks like that yeah. I guess it's more, I guess I'm just like very process oriented in that sense. Yeah. <coughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you're giving a talk at Craft Now a little bit later, right? Did you I'm say? doing a demonstration, a demonstration at Craft Now and I'm also, you know, anybody who wants to come out and try paper cutting will have the supply set up. Uh, it's being sponsored by Blick. So I'll be there with a team teaching people how to paper cut. And then this evening at High Five ah. Gallery, I'll be doing an artist talk and demoing again. Gotcha. Oh, so, so you're going to do a demo at High Five? Yes. Five. I keep busy. So can you um, just remind our listeners of uh, what the new dates for the High Five show are? Because they, um, they've been extended, right? Yes. It will be up through the end of November. You can definitely stay tuned to the website or any of my social media to make sure you uh, keep track of when the closing will be. And what's your uh, Instagram handle? Rosa Leff. And that's left L E F F. So you like to keep busy. Um, can you let us know what's coming up? You know what uh, what you're excited about in the near future. Um, let's see. I've got. I mean, I've got a bunch of shows on deck right now. In June, I'll be showing at Jubilee Arts in Baltimore. Oh, so I'll great. be excited to unveil my first Baltimore paper cuts. I'm loving the crazy power lines there, and that's something that I'm working right now on with my uh, paper cuts of Tokyo, especially. Oh, wow. That will be at the Delaplane Gallery in January, and that's in Frederick, Maryland. And uh, I'm headed for the Torpedo Factory in Alexandria in 2020, so that's going to be a very different show for me, which I'm excited about to kind of 
change lanes, take a little break from my urban landscapes, which I adore, but uh, I'm doing a show there that at least tentatively is called Expectation Versus Reality. That's mm -hmm. kind of about being a millennial and the things that we think that we are entitled to versus what we actually have in life right now, um, huh. which I guess is a little bit more towards what you were saying about, you know, is my work politically oriented? Yeah. Um, so I'm doing things like cutting china patterns into paper plates, which for me is like a very, uh. it has a dual meaning, I guess, and that it's personal and that I did grow up with sometimes food insecurity, yeah. but had these very nice antiques in my house. So it's like, you know, the cheap paper plate, but this wanting it to be more and then being a young professional and still having a pile of student loans. So I want these nice things, but I can't necessarily have them yet and feeling like, I, am I a grown up? So yeah. um, playing with that idea of adulting and what it means to be a young professional in this day and age, I guess. That's so great to know, because I did, I've seen a couple of, online, a couple of, a couple of your paper plate mm -hmm. pieces, and I wondered what that was about. That's such a great, yeah, that's such a really interesting interpretation, and a really interesting, I think, material to play with, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, well, and when is that show again? The expectations versus that reality will be twenty twenty. Okay, yeah, and that's I the one in Alexandria. For it. Mm -hmm. That's Torpedo Factory at the Art League Gallery. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Rosa Leff. Uh Good luck on your demonstration today. Good luck on your artist talk at High Five later. Thank you. Appreciate um, you having me. Out. Yeah. Uh, so this has been another installment of Art Blog Radio. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.